September the 19th. Lord, we thank you so much for the reading of your word of Isaiah. We thank you for the prophecies, Lord God, given to us, Lord, by people. Lord, that for God's people, change is going to happen for the good. And we thank you for the change. We, we say yes and amen to your word. Yes and amen to your promises. Yes and amen to your ways. Yes and amen to your will, Lord. Your will be done, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for giving us eyes and ears to hear your word and to say it out loud in Jesus' name. Isaiah 30, chapter 30, verses 12 to chapter 30, verse 9. <clears throat> this is the reply of the Holy One of Israel. Because you, Israel, despise what I tell you and trust instead in oppression and lies. Calamity will come upon you suddenly, like a bulging wall that bursts and falls. In an instant, it will collapse and come crashing down. You will be smashed like a piece of pottery, shattered to completely that there will be a piece enough, big enough to carry coals from a fireplace or a little water from the well. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. Only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. In quietness and confidence is your strength. But you will have none of it. You said, no, we will get our help from Egypt. They will give us swift horses for riding into battle. But the only swiftness you are going to see is the swiftness of your enemies chasing you. One of them will chase a thousand of you. Five of them will make all of you flee. You will be left like a lonely flagpole on a hill or a tattered banner on a distant mountaintop. So the Lord must wait for you to come to him so he can show you his love and compassion. For the Lord is the faithful God. Blessed are those who wait for his help. O people of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. He will be gracious if you ask for help. He will surely respond to the sound of your cries. Though the Lord gave you adversity and food for food and suffering for drink, he will still be with you to teach you you will see your teachers with your own eyes. Your own ears will hear them. Right behind you a voice will say, This is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Then you will destroy all your silver idols and your precious gold images. You will throw them out like filthy rags, saying to them, Good riddance. Then the Lord will bless you with rain at planting time. There will be wonderful harvest and plenty of pasture land for your livestock. The oxen and donkeys that still till the ground will eat good grain. Its shaft blown away by the wind. And that day when your enemies are slaughtered and the towers fall, there will be streams of water flowing down every mountain and hill. The moon will be as bright as the sun, and the sun will be seven times brighter, like the light of seven days in one. So it will be when the Lord begins to heal his people and cure the wounds he gave them. 
Look, the Lord is coming from far away, burning with anger, surrounded by thick rising smoke. His lips are filled with fury. His words consume like fire. His hot breath pours out like a flood up to the neck of his enemies. He will sift out the proud nations for destruction. He will riddle them and lead them away to ruin. <clears throat> but the people of God will sing a song of joy like the songs of the holy festivals. You will be filled with joy as when a flutist leads a group of pilgrims to Jerusalem, the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel. And the Lord will make his majestic voice heard. He will display the strength of his mighty arm. It will descend with devouring flames like cloudbursts thunderstorm and huge hailstones at the Lord's command the Assyrians will be shattered he will strike them down with his royal scepter and as the Lord strikes them with his rod of punishment his people will celebrate with tambourines and harps lifting his mighty arms he will fight the Assyrians Tophet the place of burning has long been ready for the Assyrian king and a pirate is piled high with wood the breath of the Lord, like fire from a volcano, will set it ablaze. What sorrow awaits those who look to Egypt for help, trusting their horses and chariots and charioteers, and depending on the strength of human armies. Instead of looking to the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, in His wisdom the Lord will send great disaster. He will not change His mind. He will rise against the wicked and against their helpers. For their Egyptians are mere humans, not God. Their horses are puny flesh, not mighty spirits. When the Lord raises his fist against them, those who help will stumble. And those being helped will fall. They will all fall down and die together. But this is what the Lord has told me. When a strong, when a strong young lion stands growling over a sheep it has killed, it is not frightened by the shouts and noise of a whole crowd of shepherds. In the same way, the Lord of Heaven's armies will come down and fight on Mount Zion. The Lord of Heaven's armies will hoover over Jerusalem and protect it like a bird protecting its nest. He will defend and save the city. He will pass over it and rescue it. Though you are such wicked rebels, my people come and return to the Lord. I know the glorious day will come when each of you will throw away the gold idols and silver images your sinful hands have made. The Assyrians will be destroyed, but not the swords of men. The sword of God will strike them, and they will panic and flee. The strong young Assyrians will be taken away as captives. Even the strongest will wait quake with terror, and princes will flee when they see your battle flags, says the Lord, whose fire burns in Zion, whose flame blazes from Jerusalem. Look, a righteous king is coming, and honest princes will rule over him. Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm, like streams of water in the desert, in the shadow of a great rock in a parched land then everyone who has eyes will be able to see the truth and everyone who has ears will be able to hear it 
Even the hotheads will be full of sense and understanding. Those who stammer will speak out plainly. In that day, ungodly fools will not be heroes. Scoundrels will not be respected. For fools speak foolishness and make evil plans. They practice ungodliness and spread false teachings about the Lord. They deprive the hungry of food and give no water to the thirsty. The smooth tricks of scoundrels are evil. They plot crooked schemes. They lie to convict the poor. Even when the, the cost of the poor is just, the generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their genera generosity. Listen, you women who lie around in ease. Listen to me, you who are smug. In a short time, just a little more than a year, you careless ones will suddenly begin to care. For your fruit crops will fail, and the harvest will take place, and the harvest will take place. Tremble, you women of East, throw off your complacency, strip off your pretty clothes, and put on burlap to show your grief. Beat your breasts in sorrow for your bountiful farms and your fruitful grapevines. For your land will be overgrown with thorns and briars. Your youthful homes and happy towns will be gone. The palace and the city will be deserted, and busy towns will be empty. While wild donkey will frolic and flock with grace in the empty forts and watchtowers, until at last the Spirit is poured out on us from heaven. Then the wilderness will become a fertile land, field, and the fertile field will yield bountiful crops. Justice will rule in the wilderness and righteousness in the fertile field. And this righteousness will bring peace. Yes, it will bring quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in safety, quietly at home. They will be at rest. Even in the forest should be destroyed and the city torn down. The Lord will greatly bless his people. Wherever they plant seed, bountiful crops will spring up. Their cattle and donkeys will graze freely. What sorrow awaits you, Assyria, who have destroyed others, but you have never destroyed yourself? You betray others, but you have never been betrayed. When you are done destroying, you will be destroyed. When you are done betraying, you will be betrayed. The Lord, but Lord, be merciful to us, for we have waited for you. Be our strong arm each day and our salvation in times of trouble. The enemy runs at the sound of your voice. When you stand up, the nations flee. Just as a caterpillar and locusts strip the fields and vines, so the fallen army of Assyria will be stripped. Though the Lord is very great and lives in heaven, he will make Jerusalem his home of justice and righteousness. In that day, he will be sure foundation and that day he will be your free, sure foundation. Provide a rich store of salvation. And that day he will be your sure foundation. Providing a rich store of salvation. Wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord will be your treasure. Beautiful. 
But now your brave warriors weep in public, your ambassadors of peace cry in bitter disappointment. Your roads are deserted, no one travels them anymore. The Assyrians have broken their peace treaty and care nothing for the promises they made before witnesses. They have no respect for anyone. The land of Israel wilts in mourning. Lebanon wilts with shame. The plain of Sharon is now a wilderness. Bashan and Carmel have been plundered. Today's uh, meditation study says God warned Judah. This is the commentary. God will warn Judah that turning to Egypt and other nations for protection could not save them. Only God can do that. They needed to wait for him in quietness and confidence. The Lord gave his people adversity for food and suffering for drink, but he promised to be with them, teaching them and guiding them during these hard times. They needed to put their faith in God, not in national defenses. Following God will often test our faith, but he always acts out of his love for us. The next time you face hardships and struggle, look intently for God's hand. God may be showing you his love by patiently walking with you through adversity instead of rescuing you from it. We can do nothing but rest in the salvation that comes from God alone. He shows us that he is faithful and we can be confident that he will give us strength for our troubles. Amen. One of the scriptures that turns out really good over here, of course, they said it before, that in quietness and resting, in quietness, in resting in me will you be saved, resting in the Lord, only returning to him. The Holy Nova Israel says, in quietness and confidence is our strength. So apparently we have to stop and fill our bucket, fill it, our reservoirs with his strength, with inquietness. Amen. He will be gracious if you ask for help. Mm. He will surely respond to the sound of our cries. He will still be with us when he teaches us. He will be our teacher with our own eyes. With our own ears, we will hear the word of the Lord say, Right behind you, a voice will say, This is the way you should go whether to the right or to the left. Hallelujah. The Lord will bless you with rain at plenty of time. There will be wonderful harvest and plenty of pasture land for your livestock. The oxen and the donkeys that till the ground will eat good grain is shaft blown away by the wind. And that day when your enemies are slaughtered and the towers fall, there will be streams of water flowing down by every mountain and hill. Amen. And the people of God will sing a joy, sing a song of joy, like the songs of the Holy Festival. You will be filled with joy, with the fullest least a group of pilgrims. Amen. To Jerusalem, the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel. Amen. Instead, we're looking to the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. And what? But sorrow awaits for those who look to Egypt for help, trusting their horses and depending on the strength of human armies. Instead of looking to the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, looking for His wisdom, the Lord will send great disaster. He will not change His mind. 
He will rise against the wicked and against their helpers. For the Egyptians are mere humans, not God. Their horses are puny flesh, not mighty spirits. When the Lord raises his fist against them, those who, who help will stumble. Amen. I love the word of God because he says, Each one will be like a shelter from the wind and a refuge from the storm. Look, a righteous king is coming, Isaiah 32.1, An honest prince will rule over them. He's like a shadow of a great rock in a parched land, that everyone who has his eyes will be able to see the truth, and everyone who hears ears will be able to hear it. Amen. And right here it says, Until at last the Spirit is poured out to us from heaven, and the wilderness become a fertile field, and the fertile field will yield bountiful crops. Justice will rule in the wilderness, and righteousness in the fertile field. And this righteousness will bring peace. Yes, it will bring quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in safety, quietly at home. They will be at rest. Amen. For the Lord will greatly bless his people. For wherever they plant seed, bountiful crops will spring up. And the cattle and donkey will graze freely. Amen. Thank you, Lord God, for your great word. Amen. Blessed be the reading of your word. Galatians chapter 5, 1 through 12 says, So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again to the slavery to law, in slavery to the law. Listen, Paul, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you're trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you're trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But he who lived by the Spirit eagerly waits to receive by faith the righteousness that God has promised to us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It is certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. This false teaching is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. I am trusting the Lord to keep you from believing false teachings. God will judge the person, whoever he is, who has been confusing you. Dear brothers and sisters, if I were still preaching that you must be circumcised, as some say I do, why am I still being persecuted? If I were no longer preaching salvation through the cross of Christ, no one would be offended. I just wish that those troublemakers who want to motivate you by circumcision would motivate themselves. Mutilate. Mutilate. All right, praying the Psalms. Amen. This is right here in Galatians, uh, the meditation 
Um, it says, Christ died to set us free from sin and from a long list of laws and regulations. He came to set us free, not free to do whatever we want because that would lead us back into slavery to our selfish desires. Rather, thanks to Christ, we are now free and able to do what was impossible before, to live unselfishly and to love and serve God and others. Love for God and others is the response of those whom God has forgiven. God's forgiveness is complete, and Jesus said that those who are forgiven much love, much because faith expresses itself through love, you can check your love for others as a way for monitoring your faith. Love is an indicator like a temporary gauge. Those who use their freedom so they can have their own way or indulge their own desires are falling back into sin. What does your love indicate about your faith? Praying the Psalms. Rejoice that God has given his people the living water. They thirst for, for thanks him for satisfying every need and have his by his presence with us. Thank him for satisfying every need we have by his presence with us. Psalm 63, 1-11 O oh God, you are my God. Earnestly search for you. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body belongs to you. In this parched and weary land where there is no water, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than the life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on you through the night because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. But those plotting to destroy me will come to ruin. They will go down into the depths of the earth. They will die by the sword and become the food of jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who trust in him will praise him, while liars will be silenced. Proverbs 23, 22. Listen to your father who gave you life, and don't despise your mother when she is old. Amen. Greetings. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, give us ears to hear and expect the miracle, Lord. Father, you said in your word that you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If we should have it, and yes, Lord, we shall have it, and it will surely come. We are expectant of it, Lord whatever we need. We thank you for today's teaching from Oral Roberts. God bless him. He's in heaven, but his Holy Spirit anointed voice is still here with us. This is a recording from 1955. Amen. Now then, I want you to turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts. I'm going to read tonight from the book of Acts, a very, very powerful part of the Word of God. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. You must expect a miracle if you want it to happen. On the main street of the Bible, miracles were always happening. That's because people were expecting them to happen. They were looking for them to happen. They were believing God for them to happen. 
on the main street of the Bible, people expected God to take a hand in their lives, to speak, to move, to stretch out his mighty hand and, and display his supernatural power. They expected him to perform miracles, to set them free. They opened their minds to his miracle-working power, and miracles were the practice. It was a fascinating time to be alive. And friends, once again, we are living on the main street of the Bible. Once again, faith and expectancy are in the air. Everywhere people are turning their attention back to God, and there is a tremendous resurgence of faith in the human heart around this globe of ours. And because of this expectancy, miracles are beginning to happen again. Miracles of healing, miracles of deliverance, miracles for soul, mind, and body, miracles for circumstances. It's a fascinating time to be alive. And I want you friends here in the tent, when you open your Bibles, realize this. We can live on the Bible's main street today just as they lived on it 2,000 years ago. Let me tell you something that happened. In our Phoenix, Arizona campaign, a woman brought her little afflicted boy. Her little son had been born with club feet, and he was wearing some specially made shoes that night, as he had been doing for years. I noticed as she brought him to me that she had a brand new pair of shoes in her hands. I called her up to me, and I said, what are you doing with those new shoes? She said, Brother Roberts, great big old tears swelled up in her eyes. She said, Brother Roberts, I brought my child to you tonight for prayer. He was born with these club feet, and we've had to build him special shoes all his life. And I believe when you pray for him, God's going to heal him. And when he's healed, I know he can walk normally. I'm going to take off the old specially built shoes and lace up these brand new shoes on his feet, and he's going to walk off this platform tonight. Well, it just struck fire in our hearts. I called the great crowd in the tent to pray with me for this child, and God in his mercy that night heard our prayer. The power of God came on the child, and he was healed. His mother reached down and tore those shoes off his feet and threw them winding out in the audience. Then she took him in her arms and she laced those new, new shoes up on his feet. She said, son, get down here on the platform and walk. And he took a step and his feet were as straight as they could be. He took another step and he found he could walk and he began to run. Oh, it was a beautiful sight. <laughs> and I called the mother back to me. I said, sister, did you expect God to heal that child? She said, Brother Roberts, I was looking for it to happen the moment you prayed for him. People, if you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You've got to believe God for it. And if you look for it, expect it and believe it, God will do it for you. What does expectancy mean? It means an intense desire, a longing, a reaching for it, so that when the miracle comes, you recognize it. You reach out and take it and accept it into your life. And without this expectation, God cannot do very much for you. Yet on the other hand, when Jesus of Nazareth came back to his own hometown, Nazareth, 
We have recorded in the Bible one of the most tragic statements ever written. He could do no mighty work in Nazareth because of their unbelief. He had been raised in that town. Now he comes back to Nazareth. He presents himself. He stretches forth his hand to heal their sick and to set them free. They were not expecting miracles. They were not believing for the power of God. They saw him. The miracle approached. The miracle offered itself. The miracle passed by. And they received nothing. It takes a whole lot to have faith. To expect something. To open your mind and heart. And to let God come in. Never let it be said of you as it was of Nazareth. He could do no mighty work because of their unbelief. And yet, the Bible is full of examples of expectancy and expectant faith. Elijah, the mighty man of God, broke the drought in the land of Israel. The drought had been upon the earth for three and one half years. The earth was cracked open, and the people were starving. Elijah went on top of Mount Carmel, put his head between his knees, and told his servant, you go look toward the sea, because he was expecting something to happen. The servant said, I see nothing. He said, you go look again seven times. The word seven is a perfect number. In other words, you just keep looking until you see something. Now, that's what real expectancy is. And the seventh time, the servant returned and said, Elijah, I see something, but it's mighty small. It's a little cloud rising out of the sea like a man's hand. But Elijah was expecting. He leaped to his feet. He saw the cloud and knew it was a rain cloud. And said, you don't tell Ahab, he better get his parasol. It's going to rain. And it did rain. Because he was expecting, he was reaching, he was looking, he was believing, and it happened. If you want a miracle, you must expect it to happen. And speaking of Elijah, the young servant of Elijah was Elisha. And when it came time for God to translate Elijah, and for his mantle to be given to another, and a double portion of his spirit to be received by someone else, he was testing his young servant. He said, now, son, you stay here. The Lord's called me to go over here. The young man said, as the Lord thy God lives and as thy soul lives, I will not leave thee. And he went with him. Do you know why? Because Elisha was expecting. He was believing that any moment God would translate his master, the mantle would fall, the devil portion power would be offered, and if he was there, he could get it. He was looking for it to happen. Then all of a sudden, the mantle of Elijah slipped off his shoulders, came back down, and hit the ground. Because Elisha was expecting it, he recognized it. He got it because he was, he was expecting it. He was looking for it. People, if you want a miracle, you've got to expect it. And now I come to that moment when I tell you the story of the healing of the lame man at the beautiful gate. They had carried him daily to the gate of the temple of God and laid him on the ground where he begged for a living. One day Peter and John, these men who had been with Jesus, came walking by. They stopped and said to the beggar, look on us. And this man looked up expecting to receive something of Peter and John. First he expected money. And then they said, we don't have any of that. We know that they were preachers, don't we? They said, we don't have any money, but touch as we have, we 
we give you. And then the expectancy of the beggar changed. He no longer expected money. He expected what these men could give. And what could they give? The healing power of Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, glory to his name. And they said, sir, we don't have any money. But such as we have, we give thee. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He leaped and walked and went running into the temple of God. All because he expected. His expectancy for money changed into expectancy for what these servants of God had to offer, which was the healing power of Jesus of Nazareth. Friends, I could talk a long time tonight, but there's only one thing important to know about receiving the miraculous power of God, and that is to be in a state of expectant faith, to believe it. You know, there are three things that happen when you expect. One, you recognize it when it comes by. Second, you reach forth and take it. And third, you just receive it into your heart. Listen to me. I want you to get off the side streets and the back alleys of unbelief and get on the main street of the Bible because you must expect a miracle if you want it to happen to you. And it can happen to you right now if you will expect it and believe for it. Let every head be bowed. Oh God, in the name of your Son, Jesus of Nazareth, hear me tonight and save the souls of men and women this great audience. May they change their way of living and be saved by the power and the blood of Christ in thy name. Let every head remain bowed, please. And now, I want every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl who believes in my prayers and you want my prayers for your soul to be saved, that you may change your way of living, that you may live for God, and you want me to pray for you to be saved tonight, take the first step, please, in his name right now, and raise up your right hand quickly. Raise your hands up quickly. Oh, that's wonderful. Hundreds and hundreds of hands. Take your hands down. Now, will you take the second step and obey God? I want every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl who raised your hand for me to pray for your soul tonight, take the second step, please, in his name right now, and stand on your feet for my prayer. Please stand right now. And they're getting up all over this tent. Do not sit back down, but come down the aisles right now, please, and stand before me for the prayer. Come down the aisles. Oh, they're coming. That's wonderful. Keep coming, please. Keep coming. I'm going to pray for these people here in front of me, a very large group tonight, for them to be saved. And I want to pray with you there in your home right now that you may give your heart to God and be saved. I want you friends here in front of me, raise your right hand. And you friends there in your home, slip up your right hand now and repeat this prayer that you may be saved and give your heart to God. Ready, please? Ready? Now you say this prayer too. Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Save my soul from all sin and come into my heart. Make me thy child. I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior to live for God the rest of my life. 
in his name. Amen. Amen. Did you mean that? Did you answer me? Say amen if you meant it. Did you mean it there in your home? Listen to me. As you sat there in your home and repeated this prayer, do you feel better in your heart? Do you feel like you've accepted Christ? If so, I want you to write me this very day and let me know. Write me so I can help you further. I will send you a little tract that will tell you how to know that you are saved. Just write me Oral Roberts, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'll answer your letter by return mail. Write me Oral Roberts, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and let me know if you were saved there in your home tonight. Now, Brother DeWeese is coming to call the healing line. And I'm going to send our friend in front of me out to the prayer tent to pray that they may know they're saved. And then in a moment, I'll be back and pray for the sick. Oral Roberts, everything God has is yours. Here we go. 19. These scenes are from today's documentary film made during the Salem, Oregon crusade for Christ. Salem, Oregon, in the heart of the Willamette Valley, is the site of today's Oral Roberts Crusade. At the invitation of sponsoring pastors and religious groups, Oral Roberts has brought his giant tent cathedral to the Salem area. The documentary film you are invited to see was not rehearsed in any way. The title of today's sermon is, Everything God Has is Yours. Salem, Oregon, 
transgressed I any time thy commandments, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. I wish to talk to you tonight on this subject, everything God has is yours. Many of us love the story of the prodigal son. It is perhaps the best story that Jesus ever told, and he told it with such loving regard for this boy. But actually, he told the story of two prodigal sons, two brothers, not just one. He told the story of the younger brother who became a prodigal by virtue of the fact he went away from home and wasted his father's inheritance. He also told the story of the elder brother who was just as much a prodigal as the other was. The elder brother did not run away from home. He did not take his father's goods and squander and waste them and riotous living. But he was just as much a a prodigal as the younger boy was, although in an entirely different manner. He represents the people who ignore God, who don't take into account the existence of the Lord. To them, a God is just a figure of speech. He isn't a good and loving Heavenly Father. He isn't one we can walk and talk with every day. He isn't one we can know for ourselves. He is just a mere figure of speech. Yes, this boy was a prodigal son through his own self-righteousness. He never ran away. He never went to the far country. But where he was was a far country, for he was just as far away from God as the prodigal son was. This, um, this elder brother uh, stirred and caused quite a commotion when his younger brother, the prodigal son, came home. You remember how the prodigal son asked for the goods that fell to him and took them, ran into a far country, squandered them with riotous living, and then came to himself in the pig pen and said, I'll, I'll return home and ask uh, forgiveness because I've sinned before heaven and against my father. He returned. His father had compassion, received him, made a great feast, and there was music and dancing while heaven was bending low and the angels were present. The elder brother was down in the fields working when the prodigal son returned home and uh, was given this feast. He heard the sound of music and dancing. He came up to his father's house, called the servant, and said, What is this commotion? What does this mean? And he said, Your long-lost prodigal brother is found. He was lost, and he's now re uh, returned home. Your father has received him, forgiven him, and made this feast for him. The elder brother's lips fell. He was very unhappy about it. So he refused to go in. The servant told the father, the father came out and said, Son, why aren't you glad? Come in with us. Help us celebrate the restoration of your long-lost brother. The elder brother looked at his father and said, I won't come in. He said, that, that, that son of yours, he took what you gave him and he split him with harlots. Now you've taken him back. You've forgiven him. He said, listen, father. 
I've been here all these years. I've never transgressed your law. I've lived correctly. I've never asked for a thing. You never gave me anything to provide a, a feast for my friends. You've given me nothing, and I've had nothing all these years. And the father looked at him and smiled and said, Son, all I have is yours. Everything I have belongs to you. All you have to do is ask for it. Believe for it. Come on in, son. Help us rejoice. Everything I have belongs to you. And the elder brother would not receive it. What was wrong with this elder brother? First, he did not know the kind of father he had. He did not realize that his father was so good. Second, his father was a man of compassion. The Bible says that he saw the younger brother, the prodigal son returning, ran, fell on his neck, kissed him, and had compassion. Third, God is a God of forgiveness. He forgave this prodigal son. He was so glad to get his soul back, his life back, that he forgot about the squandering, wasting of material things. Ladies and gentlemen, some of us put more value upon things than we do our lives. We think it's more important that we recover a lost automobile or lost piece of property than it is to find a lost soul again. And fourth, his father had plenty to spare. The young prodigal who was away from home in the pig pen said, why, even the servants of my father have plenty, plenty to spare. And God has everything we need and then some. Oh, hallelujah to his name. Do you know the Bible says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches by Christ Jesus in glory? You think of your needs tonight. Maybe you need a house. You need an automobile. You need so much money to pay your bills and to get along in the world. You need a new suit of clothes. You need this and you need that. The Bible says that God will supply that need according, according to the riches. His riches by Christ Jesus in glory. The fifth thing that the elder brother did not know about his father was that his father valued the soul of this prodigal brother of his above the material things he had wasted. This is one of the wonderful things about God. God says, fortunate prophet, that man, if he should gain the whole world, then lose his own soul. God says your soul's salvation is worth more than all the world put together. How many of us put things in front of our souls? When you and I stand at the judgment, God perhaps will say to you and me, he will say, my son died in your place. I provided salvation for your soul, healing for your body, provision for your life. Deliverance from fear, from torment, from sin, from sickness. I gave those provisions through the death of my son Christ on the cross. Why didn't you expect them? Why didn't you accept them? Why didn't you receive them? Now, God wants us to expect. In a few minutes, I will be asking people to give their hearts to Jesus Christ. Some people will rise from their chairs and come down here as quickly as they can, some even with tears. They'll come down here expecting to change their way of living and to have God in their lives. Others will just sit and uh, sort of uh, in a daze-like. They just don't seem to realize they need God. Now, 
When we come, we must expect the Lord to take a hand in our lives, to change things. You must expect a miracle if you want it to happen. Will you say it, please? You must expect a miracle if you want it to happen. Say it again. This is God's message to us tonight. Let every head be bowed. Now, while every head is bowed, listen carefully to me, please. And I want you to give me a chance to say a prayer for your soul that Christ will forgive your sins and come into your heart. Now, with every head bowed, take the first step, please. I want every man, every woman, every boy and every girl who believes in my prayers and you want my prayers that Jesus will come into your heart. If you want me to pray that Jesus will forgive your sins, give you peace in your heart and save your soul tonight, take the first step, please, in his name right now and raise up your right hand quickly. Up high, up high with your hands, please, so I can see you. Hundreds of hands. Hold them there. Will you take the second step? I want every man, woman, boy, and girl who raised your hand for my prayer for your soul to be saved. Take the second step, please, in his name right now and stand on your feet for my prayer. Please stand right now. And they're getting up all over this audience. Oh, keep getting up. Keep getting up. Remain standing. Every head bowed except the people standing and you look on me. I'm glad you're standing. This is God's night to save you. We have a place in front of me here at the platform where you may come forward and stand for my prayer. Do not sit back down, but walk down the aisles right now so I can pray for you. Come on. Come on. And they're coming, coming down every aisle. I'm about ready to pray with you now. When I pray with you, I want you to pray from your heart and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Would you raise your right hand? Now, you who are watching us through television, I want to urge you to give your heart to Christ. Let Jesus come into your soul while these friends pray the prayer with me. As you watch us, put up your hand and don't be ashamed. Lift it up and pray this prayer, these words, and give your heart to Christ. Each of you now with your right hand up, turn your face up and close your eyes and repeat after me this prayer, and you who are watching, say the same prayer with faith. O oh Lord, oh Lord, be merciful, be merciful to, me, to me, a sinner. Save my soul. Come into my heart. Be my Savior. Forgive my sins, O oh Lord, for I repent. And now I believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I receive Christ as my personal Savior. By God's grace, I will live a Christian life and do His will forever and ever. Amen. Amen. If you met that, say amen. Do you feel better in your heart? Oh, that's good. Brother Deweese, I want to talk with this very lovely young lady here. Who are you? Carol Stevens. And from? Estacada. 
How old are you? Fifteen. Do you feel that Christ actually is now in your heart? Yes, I do. How does it make you feel? Real good. Now, you're going to go to church and do His will and grow up to be His child, right? Yes. Thank you very much, and God go with you is my prayer. I shall be back in a few moments to pray for the sick. I want all you good friends to go out to our prayer tent for further instruction and further prayer that we may help you further to accept Christ. And we wish to give you some free Christian literature. And you who are watching us through television may have our free Christian literature on how to know you're saved by simply writing me and asking for it. Or Roberts, Tulsa, too, Oklahoma. Thank you. been trying now, week after week, through these television programs to inspire your faith, to be an instrument in the hands of God, to help you let your faith go to God, so you can release your faith and believe the Lord strongly, positively, so that He can heal your body, so He can help your soul, so He can help your loved ones and your friends. May this be the hour. This is the hour. This is God's hour to heal you. Open your heart. Yes, we believe in good doctors. We believe that God heals in many ways, but we know He hears and answers prayer today, and He can heal you right this hour. So open your heart, look to Him as I pray for these people, believe, and I'm sure God will heal your body. He will make you a new creature through His holy power. My friends, First Christian Church of Salem, right here in town. You're Mrs. Uh, Little, Mr. and Mrs. Little. Yeah. Mr. Little, is he has arthritis. He's hard of hearing. It's hard to do his work because of the arthritis. Mrs. Little has a garter, which you can see on her neck. Turn around so people can see that garter on your neck. How many of you believe God can take the garter from her neck? May I see your hand? Thank you. Turn around so I can touch you. Mrs. Little, how does the garter affect you? Does it choke you? Or? It chokes me and gives me very, very nervous, and I can't sleep at night. And lately, it's given so that I can hardly talk at times. Well, I see your voice is bad now. Mrs. Little, do you really believe God can do this? I surely do. When can he do it? He can do it right now. Touch your neck with your hands. Jesus, we ask that this swollen neck be healed. My sister, he's doing it now. Jesus, oh God, just put your hand up there, please. What? It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's Tell me your church again. First Christian Church. You know, I went to the university that the First Christian Church has in Oklahoma, Phillips University. I went to that school. God bless you. I don't want to want to be healed, but I want to serve God. You want to serve God. You go and wait for your husband. Jesus, bless his hearing and make it normal. Bless the arthritis to heal it. Sir, do you have faith? I have faith. Raise your arms in his name. Now your legs. Bend over and touch the floor in his name. 
Are you going back to work? I am. You feel you can now? Mm -hmm. Turn around for me so you can't see my lips. Do you hear me all right? Yes, say, I hear you. Say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Take that home with you, sir. Give God thanks for it, will you? Praise God. Patient brother, you've been waiting, haven't you? Salem, Oregon, your name and address, street address. Max Myers, 1195 Shamal Road. What is this disease? Well, uh, I had a prostate condition about three years ago, and uh, they finally healed it up the use of antibiotics, and it's left me all stiff and arthritis in my back and legs, and I have a great deal of pain. With is it also rheumatoid arthritis yes. in the back and legs? Yes. And you're all stiff. Mr. Myers, are you saved? I was saved this evening, sir. Tonight? That's right. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> Mr. Myers, if you don't receive a healing in your body, the other is the greatest thing in the world. Right? right. Your soul's salvation. You, sir. I hope you'll join a good church. Going to. You're going to do it. That's right. We're, we're, we're proud of you for that. Put your hand on your back, sir. Jesus, let his back be healed. Let his body be healed of stiffness, rheumatoid arthritis. Mr. Myers, I don't have any doubts. Would you bend over and touch that floor? Huh? You're healed, huh? That's it. I thought so. You've been waiting for this. Yes, I was uh, all set to come and find you when I found out you were coming here. I haven't been able to do anything for about three years. Not anything. Well, 36 months, you haven't been able to hold uh, down your work. Now do you think you can go back to work? Well, certainly. Your soul is saved. Your body is healed. You're ready to go out and meet the world and serve God. Right? Yes. God go with Thank you. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. God bless you. My sister, what's your name and address, please? Mrs. William Swift, 178 Davis Road, Oregon City, Oregon. Your two children have muscular dystrophy. That's right. Which one is uh, Billy? The oldest. Are you Billy's son? The doctor says you have muscular dystrophy and it'll be fatal before maturity. Is that true? That's right. And the little boy? He has the same, but it isn't as bad a form as the older one. Mrs. Swift, are you a member of a church? Yes, I am. Which? The Church of God. Fine. We're glad to have you tonight. Glad to have these children. How long have they had muscular dystrophy? About four years. Both of them? Yes. Was it the same time? No, Billy had it uh, about four years ago, and Larry, we've noticed in the last year. What do these boys think about coming up here for prayer? Well, they come to be healed tonight. Have they told you that? Oh, yes. Billy, is that correct? What? Yes. What did you say? What did you tell your mother about coming up here to get healed? Anything? I forgot. Ah, no. honey, you're so sweet. Thank you. Brother Deweese, I want Larry to stand here in front of me. It is true that he falls a lot, Mrs. Swift. Billy. Uh, well, I want the older son first then. 
Billy is the one that falls and is worse at this point. Uh, right here, son. Uh, Mrs. Swift, where do you think it works mostly? Is it hips, legs, or is it all over his body? than the other, and one leg is uh, more lame than the other. Yes, I and he see. did walk on his toes, but the Lord has healed him from that, and he's down on his heels as far as that is concerned. So we know he's Okay, playing. Billy, when I lay my hand on you, hon, believe Jesus to heal you. And audience, help me now. Lay your hands on the back of the chair. As I asked you a while ago, open your hearts. Help me pray for us little crippled children. Jesus of Nazareth, Son of the living God, Heal, heal, heal Billy Swift. Heal. Billy, you know, I prayed for you then. I asked Jesus to heal your body. All right. this moment I want to offer prayer for you. Just touch your chest with your hands. Look up to God as I ask his healing upon your body. Everyone here in the audience remain real reverent. Now, as you touch your chest with your hands, I'm going to reach forth my hands here and surely there is no distance in prayer. The Lord is there. The Lord is here. If he's healed these people, he can heal you. When we receive mail every week from people who receive healing through these prayers. If you're ready, I'm ready. And now, my brother, through Jesus of Nazareth, receive your healing. Be healed by God's power. My sister, in Jesus' name, receive your healing. Be healed and set free. Oh, praise God. If you have a little child, put your hand on it. Jesus, heal the child. Heal it for thy glory and make it whole. We pray in the name of the holy child, Jesus. Amen and amen. Jesus, we pray for this child. We pray that God shall heal it and the Lord shall make its little body strong and well. Amen. God bless you, sister. We're watching you as you go. God go with you tonight.
1955, Oral Roberts. God's man for this hour, the Reverend Oral Roberts. And now I invite your attention to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15, beginning to read at verse 22, a very interesting portion of the Bible. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, unto Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And now I wish to speak to you on this subject. Healing is not a luxury. It is the children's bread. And you know when this idea that Jesus did not bring healing as a luxury, but that it was the children's bread that began to be spread abroad, there came a little Gentile woman out the coast of Phoenicia. She had a little demon-possessed child. And she came up and cried to Jesus, Lord, my little girl is demon-possessed. The demon has possessed her and made her what he is. She's not normal in her body or mind or spirit. She's afflicted in mind and soul and body. But the Bible says he answered her not a word. She then turned to his disciples and they thrust her away. She came back to Christ and cried unto him again. He said, woman, I've been sent on to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But still she held on. And then when she had used every resource, and had been rebuffed by Christ and his disciples. She just fell back on the one prayer, which always works. She said, Lord, help me. And friends, when you run out of anything else to say, just say, Lord, help me. And that will get the job done. Jesus just can't turn your way. He said, woman, it is not neat. It's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. Now, this seems like an insult. But really it wasn't because Jesus is the most courteous of men. It was really an open door. Actually, Jesus was saying, woman, enter this door, providing she was ready to enter. You see, the Jewish people were thought of as the people of God. And they looked down upon the Gentile race as a nation of dogs because they were pagan, materialistic, vicious, and their in their attitude, they were always fighting and warring, and their brutality was known everywhere. So the Gentiles were known as dogs. He said, woman, it's not right. You come up here asking for healing for your child. It's not right to take the children's bread and give it to a dog. And then it dawned upon her. The full impact came to her. She said, Lord, I know I'm not a child of God. I know that I haven't been living right. I know that I'm not one of your children. But Lord, if a master...
I have a crumb? May I have a crumb for my daughter? He said, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that hour. Now, she gained something for us. She opened up the world for millions of people who feel that healing is a luxury only for a chosen few. What did she bring to all mankind? First, healing is the children's bread. The second thing that the Syrophoenician woman understood and brought to all mankind through her faith in Jesus Christ is that healing is not only the children's bread so that we can have daily healing, but healing is for everyone who will become one of God's children. Make no mistake about this. When you come to God, you must change your ways. She was heard to say, Lord. She had never called any man Lord before except Caesar. But now then she transfers her allegiance from a man to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And make no mistake about it, friends. You may be wicked when you come to God. You may be unworthy of the healing because of your sins. But when you come to him, you must believe him and repent of your sins and become one of his children. Healing is the children's bread. That's right, it is. But it is the children's bread. It's the bread of the children. It is not the bread of the wicked. It is not the bread of the sinner. It is not the bread of the fool who says there is no God. It is the bread of the children. Healing is daily. And healing is for people who become the children of God. And then then she showed us something that's so highly important for us today. She showed us there is no distance in prayer. Now she came in behalf of her little girl who was at home possessed with demons. The child was not present with the Lord. The mother had come to plead the cause of her baby, her own daughter. Her mother came crying, pleading, believing, holding on. Shall we go get the child Jesus and bring it to you? No. Oh, woman, he said, great is thy faith, be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And the daughter was made whole from that hour. When the mother believed, when she held on, Jesus said, Oh, woman of great faith. Great faith then is refusing to be denied. It is rejecting the known. It is holding on and saying, Jesus, I will not be denied. That is great faith. A lot of people have some faith. Many people have little faith. For Christ spoke to his disciples once and said, O thou of little faith. He only spoke to two people in the Bible and said they had great faith. One was the Roman army captain, the centurion, who said, Lord, it's not necessary for you to come in my house to heal my servant. Speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus said that he had not seen such great faith, no, not in Israel. And the second was this Syrophoenician woman, when he said, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. And in both instances, both people, the Roman army captain and the Syrophoenician woman, both of them recognized there is no distance in prayer. There is no distance in prayer. You don't have to go anywhere or be in any specific place. It is not the posture of the body. 
of you in some part of the earth, it is the believing of the heart. It is faith in God. If you believe it, say amen. amen. Healing is the children's bread. There's daily healing for us all. But healing is the children's bread in that we must become God's children to receive it. There is no distance in prayer. And you know, in 1947, when the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, from this hour you will heal the sick and cast out devils by my power, I had no conception of the immensity of God's plan. I didn't know how good God is. I didn't know how big God is. I didn't know that, that I could step out and someday I would stand before an assembled multitude like this and be preaching to millions of people in their homes through television. I didn't know that, that I would stand up and I could say that healing is for everybody. I didn't know that. I didn't know whether God would offer healing to everyone or not. But as I began to read the Bible and study Jesus, I began to realize that Jesus doesn't do something just for one person, but what he does, he offers to all mankind. And you know, when I stand up here and tell you that God will save you, God will heal you, God will bless you, God will do these wonderful things for you no matter who you are or where you are, it makes me feel as tall as a mountain. Or it just makes me feel good. Just thrills me. To know that God I serve, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, loves you so very much. And if Jesus loves you so very much, surely you are ready now to believe him, to receive him, and to receive the healing from body, mind, and soul that God has for you. Would you reverently bow your heads, please? Well, now while every head's bowed, take the first step, please, in his name. I want every man. Every woman, every boy, and every girl who believes in my prayers, and you want my prayers for your soul to be saved, that you might become one of God's children. You want me to pray for you, for you to be saved now. Take the first step, please, in his name right now, and raise up your right hand quickly. Raise your hands up high, please, up high. Raise your hands up high, up high, please. Literally hundreds of people. Take your hands down. Now you've taken the first step, will you take the next? I want every man, woman, boy, and girl, without exception, to raise your hand for me to pray for you to be saved in this service. Take the second step, please, in his name right now, and stand on your feet for my prayer. Please stand right now. And they're getting up all over this audience. That's wonderful. Keep getting up. Keep getting up. People keep getting up. There's so many of you tonight that need to stand and give your heart to God. Keep getting up, please. Remain standing. Every head bowed except the people standing and you look on me. I'm so glad you're standing. This is God's night to save you. We have a place in front of me here at the platform where you may come up and stand and I'm going to pray for your soul. Don't sit back down, but step out in the aisle and come down in front of me, please, for prayer. Come on. And they're coming down every aisle. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. And now while these many hundreds of people come down the aisle to stand before me to pray the sinner's prayer, I want you there in your home to join them with me. I want you to give your heart to God. It's not hard. If you're sincere, if you will pray sincerely and believe in the Lord, he'll save you and he'll save you now. Each one of you standing in front of me, raise your right hand. Please raise yours there in your room. 
Let's all pray together. Ready? O oh Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. I repent of my sins and believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I receive him as my personal Savior. Live for him forever. In his name, amen. If you meant it, say amen. Say praise the Lord. Listen to me. If there in your room, you feel better, you feel good in your heart, you feel that wonderful spirit of Jesus, and you feel he saved you, would you please take a moment to write me a letter and say, Brother Roberts, I was saved through your prayer. Just write me, Oral Roberts, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I want to know about it. And I'll write you a good letter and encourage you and tell you how you may know you're saved and tell you how to stay saved the rest of your life. My address is Oral Roberts, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm anxiously waiting to hear if you got saved. Now I'll be back in a moment to pray for the sick. I'm ready now to start praying for the sick in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I would like to point out that we believe in medical science just as you all do. We believe that people should do for themselves, for them, and what they know to do. But we also believe that God heals by prayer. He's called me to pray for people, and I thank God for all the people he's been healing in this campaign. I ask you to open your heart. God can heal you there in your chair here in the audience. He can heal you there in your room or your home. Let's open our hearts and believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you believe that audience, say amen. amen. Good, I'm ready to pray. William Brook of Taft, California. Hello, Bill. Hi. A ruptured disc in your back. What's that? Well, I don't know. It's uh, just a ruptured disc. All I know is very, very painful. I'm down sometimes. I have to have help getting up, and I'm just practically disabled at times. Bill, do you have faith? Yes, I Put do. Put your hand on your back. That's what it takes is faith in God. Lord, he heal him. Bend over and touch the floor in Jesus' name. You can do it by his help. Oh, brother, I, you really can. <laughs> Bill, how long has it been since you did that? It's been quite a while. It's been quite a while. Did you have any pain when you've been over there? No, I never. God bless you. I'm just so proud to hear it. Praise God. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand off it, will you? <laughs> lady, who are you? Doris Satora from Ventura. And you're a member of the Lutheran Church? Yes. We're so pleased you're here. Well, I'm so glad to be here. We look forward to it so long, oh. my husband and I. Oh, your husband. And my pastor told me to come. Your pastor of the Lutheran Church told you to come. Well, now, why did he do that? Because he has faith. He said you were truly a man of God. Well, give him my sincere thanks for such kind words. His name is Reverend Dolly. Well, I'm so proud to hear that and give him my sincere greetings in Jesus' name. Oh, now, I understand that you're flicked in your body or you're crippled in your spine. Uh, feeling is gone from your hands and face. Is it a form of paralysis? No, not entirely. I, can, I can't comb my own hair. I can't button. I can't do things like that. And I have no feeling, Brother Roberts. That's the most important thing. Yes. I burn myself, and I have no feeling. I don't know when I burn it till I see the blister. Oh, and that's and why you have the blisters on your hands now. You, my face, I don't feel. You my feel nothing in your face? and both hands. And it's a spreading disease. 
Jesus, hear me and heal. Heal! Life is coming into you. Open and close your hands. Hold them up. Open and close them. Ernest L. Stewart. Say, I will talk 
I will talk and not stutter. And I will not stutter. I'm free. I am free from stuttering. <laughs> Praise the Lord. How do you feel? Wonderful. Makes you feel good? Amen. Do you know how many people are here? Thousands of people, and you usually get scared. People. You get scared in crowds, and you can't talk. Amen. Here you're talking for all this crowd. That's right. How you feel? Wonderful. Wonderful. I feel free. Feel free. That's right. How's your tongue feel? My tongue feels loose. Feels loose. Well, sir, I'm just so proud to hear it. God bless you. Go serve him with all your heart. McCracken of Fullerton, California, member of the Bull Square Gospel Church. He has a rheumatic heart and he's hard of hearing. We're going to pray for Don at this time. Audience, lay your hand on the back of the chairs upon a contact as if your hands were upon Don. Oh God, we pray for the rheumatic heart. We ask that it be healed in the name of Jesus. We ask that you open his ears and heal the heart of Don, you're really hard of hearing. Come here. I didn't know it was so serious, but I put my hands on Jesus. Mm, some hearing came in your left ear. Real good. Mm. Turn around, son. We'll see. Uh, put your finger in your right ear first. Give us your name and address. Don, uh, 215 North Berkeley, Florida, and, California. And your name? Don McCracken. Now put your finger in this ear. Now say, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Now take your, your hands out and repeat after me. I love you, Jesus Christ. I love you, Jesus Christ. With all my heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Son, did you know you were hearing a whisper then? I was about eight feet away. Was it clear? Yes. Step right over there where those boys are. Say, I love you, Lord. Amen. Praise God. Are you hearing me all right, son? Come back over here. Did you hear that whisper all right? Say praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How you feel in your soul? Fine. Are you a Christian? Yes, I am. You're really working for God? Yes. What are you going to do for the Lord? I'm going to try and work for him. Try and work for him. God bless you. Let's raise our hands now and just praise the Lord. Amen. Please. Friends, I come to the moment now which gives me such great personal pleasure to reach forth my hand and pray for you there in your home. Yes, I wish that you could be here in person in the tent, but if you cannot come to our meetings in person, let me have this opportunity to pray for you in Jesus' name. There's no distance in prayer. I can pray here. God can heal you there, providing we believe. Now, Lord, I come to thee in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Honor now the prayer of thy humble servant, and fill this place with thy healing virtue and delivering power. Let the Spirit of God come upon the people and heal them from the crown of their head, the soles of their feet. And now, my brother, I reach forth my hand to pray for you. In the name of Jesus, be healed, be healed and set free. My sister, in the name of Christ, be healed. Be healed in your body from sickness and disease and fear. Young man, young woman, be healed and set free by the power of the name of Christ. Would you put your hand on your little child or baby so I can pray for it now. Lord, let the healing virtue of Jesus, the holy child Jesus, 
Heal this child. Heal it, Lord. Raise it up and make it whole and set it free by your power. Friends, I believe God. I feel his healing power. God's there healing you right now. Everybody, just lift your hands. Let's just praise him right now. You praise him there. And let's believe together that the mighty work is done. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Friends, I've just never been so happy in my life that I have the privilege of preaching the gospel on television. Really, I think one of the reasons God gave man the genius to invent television is for the gospel's sake. For I feel that the only way we'll ever reach the masses is through television. So I'm delighted. I'm just so grateful to God for giving us television. I'd like to take a moment and read some of the wonderful letters that I'm getting every day and every week. Here's one a nurse writes, Brother Roberts, I was on a case when the doctor arrived. I was watching your program from your big tent and asked the doctor to listen and to watch when you prayed for the unsaved and the sick. He was gloriously saved and feels now that he can be a better doctor. Isn't that wonderful? Another one writes, Count my whole family in your million-soul crusade. We were all saved while watching your program on television. Another one writes, Brother Roberts, I am with you all the way in your million souls crusade with my support and prayers. A little boy wrote, said, Brother Roberts, I never knew God was so good before. Now that just thrills me. And friends, I'd like to say that what you see here in the big tent on television is only a part of the whole service, where I pray for many hundreds of people in each service. Also, I'm carrying on a very large ministry through correspondence and prayer. People write me. And I pray for them. It's wonderful how the Lord is hearing and answering prayer. Drops into your heart and becomes part of your everyday life. That's what the Word of God's all about. It's about life and life more abundantly in you, through you, and into your life. And guess what happens when it's in your life? Then it becomes a cascading effect to everybody around you. Because the Word of God is the thing that makes us all uniquely different and by design. Not different to be different, but different and by design. All right, let's go ahead and listen to Billy Burke. Start over again. I forgot to pray. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, give us ears to hear, eyes to see. And a word to listen from Billy Burke. Thank you for this timely word. Let us open our heart and mind and know that God is speaking to us through to YouTube, through television, through the iPhone, through other words. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Receive the word. Think about it. Let's meditate on it, contemplate on it, and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Billy Burke. Your word for today with Pastor Billy Burke. Welcome to the broadcast today here on Your Word for Today. It's always a joy to have you here each and every week. And I pray that as God brings any kind of a healing word, a blessing word, a restoration word, that it really gets into your head, drops into your heart, and becomes part of your everyday life. That's what the Word of God's all about. It's about life and life more abundantly in you, through you, and into your life. And guess what happens when it's in your life? Then it becomes a cascading effect to everybody around you. 
Because the Word of God is the thing that makes us all uniquely different and by design. Not different to be different, but different and by design. His written Word, His Holy Spirit, His precious people. I mean, all of these together helps transform you and I into a peculiar, to a rare value treasure to God on this planet Earth, harvesting each and every day until that great time of the catching away. Oh, it's so exciting. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to pick something up here today in the story of Peter walking on the water to Jesus. Verse number 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, if it's you, bid me to come unto you on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried. He actually cried out loud. I want to stop right there. He actually cried out loud. He didn't think I should, or maybe I should. He actually used his own voice. It was the only weapon he had at the moment, was his cry. That's your weapon of choice too today. It can be. And, and he said to him, and when he saw the wind boisterous, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And look at the very next verse 31. And immediately. Boy, when God does something immediately, it has my attention. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou little faith, how could you doubt? And when they were come back into the ship, the wind had ceased. This is an amazing story, and it's, I don't want to oversimplify this to you today, but sometimes, you know, we spend a lot of time practicing everything that we've ever learned to get something that we need so desperately. I would be one of the first as a teacher to tell you exhaust every avenue. I certainly would. I mean, any, any teacher would tell you that. What, what you learn, you apply. And whether, whether it's pleading the blood or taking communion or whether it's forgiving everybody you can think of and some you can't think of. Yeah, that's, that's all good. But when it comes right down to the, the basic foundation of the believer, we accept Jesus so he becomes very personal to us. And he never wants to be replaced by principles. He is a savior with principles, but he never wants the principles to replace the person. When the principles of God replace the person of God, then something begins to be aloof. It begins to be, you know, the answers you need seem to be further away because you're applying principles without the person. And in this story, we see that Jesus, you know, he's on the water. He's standing there. He's not on terra firma. He's on water. Water in the Bible is always a sign of something being very unstable. And try that sometimes. You don't think it's unstable. And so when Peter says, I want to come, I want to, and Jesus, come on. So Peter's walking on the water, going right to Jesus. He takes his eyes off him. That could happen in a bad storm. And he begins to sink. Now, Peter could have had real entitlement issues. He could have thought, well, I'm close to Jesus. He's in the vicinity. Surely he'll come and catch me. But evidently, that wasn't the case. Evidently, even though Jesus was very close in that proximity, he was in the same space, so to speak. Peter's sinking. Jesus is right down the way. And even though they're that close, it was still required of Peter to do all that he could do. And what was that? 
What, what did Peter do? He called on the name of the Lord. I'm telling you, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's as, it's as simple as are you calling on him? You know, are you really using your voice, your mouth? And, and some, you know, when I say that, you think, well, that's basic. That's, well, that's just it. Sometimes we replace the basics. You know, you say, well, I plead his blood. Well, that's his blood. I, I do his promises. Yeah, he has those. You know, and I stand on his word, and that works too. But it's his word, but his word comes from him. His blood comes from him. His promises come from him. And so it's good to use everything that comes from him. And it's good to use everything that's recorded from him. But the undisputed privilege we have, oh, listen to me, the undisputed privilege we have is a personal relationship with him. That's why Revelation 3.20 says, what, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, I want to come in, and I want to go deeply into fellowship with you. Remember the three stages of relationship. It's, it's relationship, fellowship, and communion. Say that with me. Relationship, then you go deeper into fellowship, and then you get into the deepest of all, which is communion. Over in Ephesians here, the early chapters, excuse me, of Revelation, when Jesus was talking to the church. He said, you know, to the church of Ephesus, you've done so many great things, but you've done one thing that grieves me. You left your first love. You know, today there's, there's people that love God so much, and their need is so great, and who doesn't want to just do whatever you can to get that need met, or to get that open door to open? I mean, we'll use the name. We'll use the blood. Well, they both, and, but have we forgotten to be so simple to say, Lord, I need you. I need you. I mean, there's a signal that we want to continually send to the Lord. No matter how much we grow, no matter how, is where that healing comes from. Oh, but I know, he knows my heart. I know he knows your heart. But he wants to hear it. In this story, he wanted to hear something audible come from Peter. And notice what it says here. There's not too many places, but here's what it says. The moment Peter called on him audibly, the very next word says, and immediately. Oh, you get a hold of that, and, and immediately. I don't know that there's any shortcuts. I, I try to tell people there's, there's not that many shortcuts that I know of, you know, but if there is one, it's something as simple as calling on his name. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, Holy Spirit, help me. You know, dear God in heaven, Dear third person of the Trinity, however you want to say that, he who died and rose again for me, the, the Holy One of Israel. If you want to interchange names and titles, that's all great. It's calling on him. Because otherwise, then we make it sometimes so difficult where, you know, you have to know all these verses. You know, you have to know all the commandments. You have to know what your birthright is. And, and hey, I'm all for learning. But learning, I found, is very progressive. I've been in this over 40 years, and I know way more today than I did 40 years ago. But I didn't know 40 years ago what I know today. It's a journey. It's a walk of grace. It's putting in time. You know, and sometimes I think for the people that don't know the Bible, people that, you know, that aren't well-versed yet, people coming out of denominations, people coming straight out of the world, people coming out of rock music, and out of movie industry, coming out of whatever walk of life they're in. And they don't know what the church people know. And they need God as much as we do, and sometimes a little more. 
And how do I get to him? You know, then they, they hear, well, you got to do this, and, and you got to do that, and you got to do this. And yeah, eventually that's a part of all of our, that's, that's called the full force of the kingdom. I mean, that's whenever, yeah, yeah, we know him, and, and now we're understanding how the kingdom works. But when it comes to being healed, when it comes to breaking the curse of cancer, getting out of depression, getting off of those drugs, you know, you know, hearing the sound of needles and chains dropped to the, to the concrete, it's because you call on him. It's because you really are sending a signal to the devil. You're sending a signal to your flesh. You're sending a signal to the cancer and to the Alzheimer's and, and to the arthritis that you are calling on help and you're making it personal because you're calling on Jesus. Now, listen to me. I, I'm One of my greatest influences in life is a man named Ange. And Ange was my greatest Sunday school teacher. I mean, he was really a foundational person in Billy Burke's life. But during the war, Second World War, he was shot down in an airplane. He drifted in the Pacific Ocean for 21 days on a barrel. 21 days. And this is what brought him really close to the Lord. He said, you know, I didn't have a Bible. You know, there was nobody out there but me, as in Peter's case. There was nobody around to help Peter. There was no healing, you know, number. There was nobody there handing him a Bible or a book. Or he's out there all alone. Sometimes that's just the way God lets it all happen. How strong are we away from, you know, fellowship, church, structure? Who are we privately? I'm telling you today that God's for you. He has an answer in the pipeline. It's already addressed to you. It's already in overnight mail. I mean, if you just check your, I, I, he's coming your way to heal you, save you, deliver you, restore you. But he's waiting, and he wants to do it quicker than maybe what we're willing to do that he wants. Sometimes all we see is, what do I want? What do I need? And what he wants to do is hear you call on him. He wants to hear you be dependent on him. He saw all of us call on our mother most of our life, and then call on our father most of our life. He's watched us call on the government. He's watched us call on, you know, the politicians. He's watched us call, and he knows we can do it. He knows we have the capability of reaching, calling, writing, emailing, texting. I mean, we're all about social media. Oh, he's not social. He's supernatural. And he's waiting, I believe, for that. He's waiting to hear from you. Let's just say Romans right up there. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. It's such an easy verse, we all know it. This one shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Come on. Whosoever shall call upon the name with the mouth confession is made and with the heart we believe. Now that verse is used specifically, usually, for people coming into the place of salvation. But it's not limited to that. Sometimes we put a verse in one spot and we say, that's what it means, it means only. Uh, I don't think so. I think this written word of God has a supernatural connection to it all over the place. And I think when you call on him, I think something happens to him. Because the, the basic thing of most children with their parents is you only need them for a certain age and then you become independent of your parents. And sometimes we use God to get healed. We use God to get through a crisis. You know, we use God to whatever, but then we don't need Him. We say, okay, God, I can take it from here. And that's where trouble begins. 
Because, you know, needing Jesus is full-time. He says, I am your way, I am your truth, I am your whole life. It says in the book of Acts, in him we live and move and have our being. I mean, God's looking for some people who just don't need him to get out of something, but we need him to get through something. And we don't need him just to get through something, we need him to get into something. Because really, it's, it's not in human nature, you know, to grow deeper in the Lord. It's not in human nature. And it's in our new nature, when we get born again, that we got to want that. How do we display that desire? How do we display We get around other people that have more desire than us. Amen. We, we get under a good teacher. Yeah, amen. But I'll tell you another way we, we display that desire. We call on him. We call on him. We call on the Lord. He's available. You know, he's capable and he's available. Those two words are amazing. Come on, say that with me. He's capable and he's available. He's never, you know, so many times there's, when I was beginning in television many years ago, a man showed up at my office and he said, I'm so glad you're considering television. And I said, well, that's part of, I believe, what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. He said, you know what, I want to plant the, the first seed for you to go on television. And I said, well, Johnny, that is really, I'm deeply appreciative of that. So he wrote a check out that day, a very substantial check. I looked at him and I said, wow. He said, I'm serious about this. And he said, I'm here for you. I said, wow, I said, this this will really get me moving. He said, well, I hope so. That's I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. He walked out the door. He said, oh, by the way, he said, I'm here for you. You need more, you call me. I'm, don't, you go out, no matter what, you call me, I'm here. And uh, so I, he left, and I thought, wow, he gave me this to get started. And he said, call on you. He's there if I need more. I thought, that's a pretty good, thank you. Thank you. Oh, I was thrilled. He gave me a sense of security. And I didn't know it was a good security. Because I did get started. We did begin television. And I did come out into the deeper place of the water. And I needed help. It must have been maybe six months, seven months down the road. So I called him. He told me to. And I called him. And I said, hey, you know. And he said, Bill, the stock market went bad. I don't have the money that I had when I told you that. I'm so sorry. If, it, if I get the money in again, I'll be happy to help you. But right now, I can't do that. Boy, I hung the phone and I thought, huh. But he told me, but Lord, he told me to call on him. He told me that, hey, I'll help you. And what did Billy Burke find out? A lot of people have good hearts. and They want to help you. But the only person that I have found to be there every day, all day, that has the capability and, and, and the time, the capability and the availability, his name is Jesus. He's never, he's never said no. He may say not now. He may say a little later. He may say, I'm working on something. Just cool down. I got something big behind the curtain there. He's working on your miracle. You say, but why does it take him so long? Because it's bigger than you think. He's not just setting up your healing, setting up the ripple effect of all the people who's going to be a witness to, who's going to hear about it, who's going to be close, have front row seats. God is staging a breakthrough for you that can't even be imagined. You know, I, I see it. I see it in our crusades. I, I see it privately. I see it in so many ways that God works. 
He has ways to work that we don't know. He works in such a different time frame. He works in, in, in a different zone, so to speak. He's so amazing. He's beyond comprehension. That's what a miracle is. It's beyond comprehension. But what if today, with all of our diligence in doing what we know to do, and I would be the first to tell you to do that, it's the works of faith. What if we're bypassing something so simple? What if all that we're doing is taking us further away from, from knowing him personally? What if we're replacing him, not consciously, but I? what if we're worshiping worship? What if we're just reading the Bible to learn, to know more, to have more? What if we're using him in some way that's really not glorifying his whole purpose behind our life? What if, what if, what if, what if? Because he wants, he wants to, you to know that he, not just his promises, he, and not just his servants, that he, not just the angels, that he, not just, you get what I'm saying here. He wants to hear you call on him. He wants, so my, my friend who was drifting in the Pacific Ocean, sharks, he, the whole story, pretty incredible. And he said, all I could do out there alone, floating on a barrel, hanging onto a barrel, was, Lord, I need you. Lord, Jesus, I need you. I know you're there, Jesus. I need you. 21 days later, 21 days, so far from land, drifting like a little a little speck in the ocean comes a helicopter drops down though, just like you see in the movie and he tells a story that it affected me so much as a teenager it really did he said I really connect my deliverance my rescue mission that he heard me I'm here today to tell you God will hear you you may not think you know enough of the Bible, and, and probably we all, I know we all need to learn more, don't we? Yeah, but I'm not real faithful in going to church. I, I get that. I understand that. He understands that. And he, he just wants you to know that he's behind the whole plan of rescue for you. And he's waiting for you to call on him with some emotion. Bartimaeus called on him, said, Thou son of David. And he had emotion, and they told Bartimaeus to be quiet, and Bartimaeus began to yell even louder. Jonah was swallowed by a fish. He's in the belly of a fish deep down in the ocean. Nothing happens till Jonah begins to call on the Lord through worship, and then God speaks to the fish. And Paul and Silas are hanging on a wall in a prison, and they weren't quiet about it. They just began to call on him through praise and worship. And of course, then an earthquake came. The earthquake spitting out of the fish. A lot of these incidences seem to happen so quickly when we read them in the Bible. And as we read in the story today, back here in Matthew 14, when he called on him, 
Lord, save me, parent. It says that immediately Jesus reached his hand. Oh, Jesus is just like you and he's just like me in so many ways in that as well. He doesn't want to be replaced by something lesser than. Yeah, he wants you to he wants you to do all of the due diligence. He wants you to sing the song and he wants you to read the promises. But he doesn't want anything you and I do to replace him. Our Savior, our healer, our deliverer, the repair of our breach, the restorer of our soul. Oh my. Today I just know the Holy Spirit. I feel him right there now coming, coming through these uh, through these channels, through the fiber optics, coming your way. One lady came to me years ago and she said, I'm Billy Burke. What else can I do? I've done everything to get my healing. I don't know anything else I can do. And I said, well, ma'am, I don't know what that means to you, to me, when you say you've done everything. I don't know what that means. Everything to me may be different than everything to you. And I said, tell me some of the things you've done. If you can't remember everything, tell me what you've done. She said, well, I, I prayed. I prayed in the name of Jesus. I and she told me the fasting and the soul ties and the, and the oil and the breaking the curse. And she went down this long, long list. I listened because I wanted to help her. Sometimes listening is the biggest healing balm that there is. It shows people you care enough to listen. So I listened. And as she went down this list, I, I mean, it was impressive to me. I'm thinking, wow, this girl has done all that and she's not seeing anything. And as, after she got done, she said, I, I don't know what else to do. And I, not that I knew that moment, but it was a word of knowledge. It was the Holy Spirit that spoke to me. And I said, man, that's an amazing, that's diligent. That's, I'm impressed. So let me ask you a question. She said, sure. I said, have you called on him? Just called on him. Hey, Jesus, dear Lord Jesus, I come, I'm calling on you with emotion, with meaning. I don't mean just, hey, you, or dear God in heaven, help me if you're there. No, I don't mean that. I mean with emotion. Hey, hey, I, you know what I mean. I need you. How long has it been since you really released emo something emotional, in, wrapped in emotion and faith? Just because you have emotion doesn't mean you're out of faith. You hear me? You know, you don't have to become dry. And just I believe and I trust and emotions are bad. They're not bad. Jesus said, love me with all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your being. He just don't want you to be led by emotion. But yeah, he'll take expression. That's how you express love. If it doesn't die, if it isn't wounded. And sometimes life gets in there, and, you know, and the devil and whatever, some bad decisions and we can't convey, we can't communicate. We use cards, Hallmark, to replace our feelings. Lifetime movies to replace something we missed a long time ago. And pretty soon we don't have anything to communicate. We can't express ourselves with warmth, with tenderness, with, with what, what's really going on on the inside of us. That's why God brings the gifts of the Spirit to to help us. 
Today, I believe he's calling on you to reach out to him. Call on him today. He's waiting to hear from you. He's waiting to answer you. He's waiting, I believe, immediately to begin to let his presence be made known and your circumstance to change. That's your word. Today. Let's go see a miracle from God in this recent meeting. I'll be back to pray for you. Greetings. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Fernando, your host. Today's Bible study, we're starting with September 22nd, A Little Every Day by Kenneth Copeland. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today's reading. We ask you to bless us. Help us to know your Bible, your word, more every day. A little line here, a little precept there, a little understanding, Lord God, and let us accumulate our faith, Lord. Let it be strengthened in your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to today's reading. I pray that you're in good spirits, that God is on this, on our side. And if things are not going good, if things are not going right, you should start clapping your hands, thanking God, and start saying, The supply for it is not here yet, Lord Jesus, but it will come if we should have it for it. It will surely come. Again, say, Huh, the supply for it is not here yet, but it will come. If we should have it, it will surely come. Now remember, the basis for that is, My God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Remember, this is a, the, the match to get you going to start quoting scriptures like, This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad. I will enter into his courts with praise. I will enter his courts with thanksgiving. For the Lord God is King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah. I will praise the Lord God. I will expect my miracle. And this is how you build expectancy. Remember what I said? A little line, a little precept, a little prayer, a little bit of bit of words. This opens the realm to positively believing. Let's say it again. The supply for it is not here yet, but it will come if we should have it. It will surely come. Amen. Remember the we is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Word of God. All the angels, all the promises, all the compositions. It will surely come. Amen. All right. That's our little mini-study for today's Bible study. The scripture Kenneth Copeland is using today is Luke 13, verse 18 and 19. Until what is the kingdom of God like, and, and whereunto shall I resemble it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and cast it into his garden, and it grew, and it waxed a great tree, and the falls of the air lodged in the branch of it. Luke 13, 18 and 19. If you're going to grow in the kingdom of God, you're going to do it just like a seed that's been planted in the ground. How does a seed grow? All at once? No, it grows constantly. It grows gradually, 24 hours a day, a little at a time until it accomplishes what it was created to do. A little here, a little there. Most of us don't operate that way 
spiritually. We study and pray very hard for a few days and then quit. Then, when some disaster comes, we make a mad attempt to pray and stand on the Word, all the while realizing that for some reason we're just not as strong as we ought to be. There's no such thing as an overnight success in the kingdom of God. Real strength, real growth come as you consistently and constantly keep the Word before your eyes, in your ears, and in the midst of your heart. Not just when you want to or when you feel like it, but constantly, like the seed, a little all, all the time, a little here, a little there. A man came up to me once and said, Mr. Copeland, your ministry just took off overnight, didn't it? If it did, I answered, I was, it was certainly the longest night I ever spent in my life. From his perspective, my success did seem to spring up quickly. That's because he didn't see me during all those hours and weeks and months and years I spent in the Word of God. He didn't see the daily process that laid behind that success. He just saw the results. Make up your mind to begin daily the process of constant growth today. Determine to start putting the Word in your heart consistently every day. A line here, a line there. A tape here, a tape there, a CD, a listing, a podcast here, a podcast there, a prayer, a prayer here, a prayer there. Write this prayer all over this house, the one I just told you. Begin to act as though the word is true every hour of the day, regardless of what comes or how you feel. Keep adding to your faith, meditate on it, confess it seven days a week. Eventually, your faith will begin to get bigger than you ever dreamed it could be. Amen. Remember, begin to act as though the Word of God is true every day and every hour. Okay, remember, let's say, remember the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit inside our minds, our hearts, and our voices. He, they live inside of us, they said. When we became born again, the Trinity came to live inside of us. And they're the ones who are agreeing with us. They're saying, the supply for it is not here yet, but it will come if we should have it. It will surely come. Everybody's in agreement but me, but myself. So I need to get in agreement. And how do I get my stubborn, lazy, fleshly self in agreement? A little here, a little there. A little flashing of the eyes when I get in the car. A little... When I'm in the kitchen, when I'm in the bathroom, I have this prayer up. And just constantly working it, constantly working it. The supply for it is not here yet, but it will come. If we should have it, it will surely come. And folks, you're going to see a difference in your life start to happen. You're going to see more sermons about this scripture, about supply, you're going to run into more reasons and dreams that this, this prayer is working. Things are going to begin to happen because the fact is we're not believing, like Kenny Copeland said, we're not acting. This little prayer helps us to act that the word is true because we're saying it. We're agreeing with it. That's an action right there. <clears throat> That's a believe action. Even if you don't believe it, keep saying it till you believe it. Believe me. <laughs> the belief will come. Trust me, the belief will come. Just keep saying it. Put it seven places all over your house and just keep on saying it. The belief will come.
Amen. Now we run to read uh, Luke 13, 18 to 21. Luke 18 to 21. go. Luke 13, excuse me, 18 to 21. So this led him to say, what is the kingdom of God like, Jesus says? And to what shall I compare it? It's like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his own garden. And it grew and it became a tree. And the birds of the sky found shelter and nested in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven which a woman took and hid it in three peck measures of flour until it was all leaven. Amen. A little here, a little there, folks. What the Lord has done for us, He has reinforced that we're in the right teaching for the right time, for the right needs. He's given us this is what it takes for his promise to take off, and we're not listening. We're stubborn. We're, we're complaining. Oh, this happened bad. That happened. The Lord. Notice how a lot of people run to the bar and they quit on the Lord. They don't do the work. They blame God. Like children blame their parents when things don't work out in their lives. They, they'll pick up the phone, and they'll call their parents, and they'll cuss their parents out and hang up. When they don't pass the test. Excuse me. Isn't that the truth? Don't you take it on your parents and you regret it later? So, to prevent that, let us discipline ourselves and act like we believe the prayer. A little here, a little there. A little simple prayer. The prayer is so simple. You say, well, it's not scriptural. Really? Isn't the word supply and we, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it? It's not scriptural. All those words point to where they were born from. Amen. Get excited, folks. Get excited. Just act like a child, like your dad said, okay, I'm going to give it to you. Relax. I got this. Get excited. What's the big deal if you act excited? It, your intellect and your judgment is not going to cause the word to be of no avail. We're having fun here. We're having, we're enjoying the kingdom of God and all his benefits. All of us are planting our trees and you're over there in a stubby old tree that, that doesn't produce a darn thing and it's been there for years. The tree of unhappiness, the tree of resentment, the tree of backbiting, complaining, criticizing, condemning. Only crows land on your tree. Crows used to land on my tree. And I thought that was the normal. He says, receive the word of God as little children. Act like your father has spoken to you. Get excited. Go out there and keep seeing that prayer to your faith grows. Okay? Till our faith overwhelms. All right. Let's go ahead and real quick. Let's go ahead and, pray and read Psalms 22. The cry of anguish and a song of praise. From a, from a song from David. The Doe of the Dawn. That's what this song is, excuse me, is called. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you so far from helping me? And from the works of my groaning? Oh my God, I call out to you by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest to quiet, nor quiet. But you are holy, O you who are enthroned in the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. In you our fathers trusted, leaned on, and relied on, and were confident. They trusted, and you rescued them. They cried out to you, and you delivered them. They trusted in you and were not disappointed or ashamed. They trusted in you. But I am treated as a worm, insignificant and powerless, and not a man. I am the scorn of man and despised by the people. All who see me laugh at me and mock me. They insult, open their lips, they shake their heads, saying, He trusted and committed himself to the Lord. Let him save him, let him rescue him, because he delights in him. Yet you are he who pulled me out, yet you are he who pulled me out of the womb. You made me trust when my mother's on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there's no one to help. Many enemies like bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They open wide their mouth against me, like a raving and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted by anguish within me. My strength is dried up like a fragment of clay pottery, and my dry tongue clings to my jaws. And you have laid me in the dust of death, for a pack of dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers have encircled me. They pierce my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my clothing among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O you, my help, come quickly to my assistance. Rescue my life from the sword, my only life from the paw of the dog, the executioner. Save me from the lion's mouth, from the horns of the wild ox, you answer me. I will tell of your name for to my countrymen. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you, you who fear the Lord with all inspiring reverence. Praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Fear him with submissive wonder, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised nor detested the suffering of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried for, to him for help, he listened. My praise will be of you in the great assembly. I will pay my vows made in the time of trouble before those who reverently fear him. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who diligently seek him and require him as their greatest need will be will praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All And all the families of the nation will bow down and worship before you. For the kingship and the kingdom are of the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth will eat and worship. All those who go down to the dust, the dead, will bow before him. Even he who cannot keep his soul alive, posterity will serve him. They will tell of the Lord for the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born, that he has done it. And that it is finished.
beautiful, wonderful a prophecy before Jesus was crucified on the cross. This is the Amplified Bible, folks. Beautiful, beautiful. And they will come and declare his righteousness, verse 31, to a people yet to be born, that's us, that he has done it and that it is finished. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. That's one of the reasons you want to praise him and thank him for your allotted plans, inheritance, and what to do with this prayer. The supply, the wisdom, the intelligence, the strength. It's not here yet, but it will come on a daily basis. If we should have it, yes, 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 we shall have it. It will surely come. Amen. Let's go take a look at some uh, other psalms real fast, like make sure we're not missing any of the favorite psalms. Here's another psalm of David, Psalm 52. Let's go over here. But as for me, this is my favorite part. I am like a green olive tree in the house of God, verse 8. I trust confidently in the loving kindness of God forever and ever. I will thank you forever because you have done it. You have rescued me and kept me safe. I will wait on your name for it is good in the presence of your godly ones. There it is, folks. I will wait on your name in the presence of the godly ones. We continually praise them. We're like Job. Though he slayed me, I shall yet praise him. And you know, if we say the right things, don't go around saying, Slay me, Lord, slay me. Say, Bless me, Lord, bless me. The Jabez prayer. Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand will be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that it may not harm him. It's been proven, even science, even people that don't know the Lord. Science has proven in the blue laws that if a person speaks properly with praise and thanksgiving and please, he lives seven to eight years longer if they have a good vocabulary. A vocabulary of energy, a vocabulary of love and praise and kindness, they will live seven to eight years longer. Science has uh, study that for 15 years folks and it's the same thing here we don't continue to down mouth the situation we speak well we bless others we bless our enemies we avoid criticizing complaining and condemning it's called courage folks called courageous people jesus did it for us he said it is finished he's put He's put a heart of gold in our in us for others to see and for us to, for others to join the procession, which is the the parade of worshiping and praising God. Is going all over the world collecting people. We're in that parade. We're going forward. Hallelujah! We got the banners. We're shouting the hallelujahs and the praises, and more people are joining the courageous. The courageous people, the courageous church of God, the victorious, the triumphant church, praising the Lord as we're going down the road. Hallelujah. Blessed, fortunate, prospered, and favored 
by God are the people who fear the Lord with all inspiring reverence and worship Him with obedience, who delight greatly in His commandments. He Their descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his, their house, and their righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous, upright and right standing with God. It is well with the man who is gracious and lands. He conducts his affairs with justice. He'll ne he'll, he never will be shaken. The righteous will be remembered forever. He will not fear bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting, confident, relying on and believing in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear while he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. He has given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. The wicked will see it and be angered. He will gnash his teeth and melt away in despair and death. The desire of the wicked will perish and come to nothing. Woohoo! Amen. All right, let's go see what Psalm 140. That was one Psalm 112 I just read. Now we're going to run to Psalm 142. I cry out loud with my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before Him. I declare my trouble before Him. Lord, my truck is messed up. My windows won't go down. There's no air conditioning in it. It's rattling and rolling and squeaking down the road. I thank you, Lord. I, I thank you that the supply for it is not here yet, but it will come. If we should have it, it will surely come. Thank you, Lord. When my spirit was overwhelmed and weak within me, wrapped in darkness, you knew my path in the way where I, excuse me, where I walked. They have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right the point of attack and see, for there is no one who has regard for me to act in my favor. Escape has failed me, and I have nowhere to run. No one cares about my life. I cried out to God, O Lord. I said, You are my refuge. My portion is in the land of the living. You are my refuge, Lord, my portion in the land of the living. Give attention to my cry, for I am brought very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are stronger than I. Bring my soul out of prison, adversity, so that I may give thanks and praise to your name. The righteous will surround me in triumph, for you will look after me. Amen and amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lift up his counts and give you peace. Establish you in every which way and smile on you. Amen. Thank you for coming to today's teaching. God bless you.